number three, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Those are the phone numbers. You can also email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Uh, so last hour, end of the last hour, going over some of the details here on the bounties that have put uh, that the uh, leftist organizations have put out against or on, I should say, the six conservative Supreme Court justices. And uh, this is what, I guess, uh, the anti-Trumpists meant by a return to the norms and decency that Joe Biden would, uh, would yeah, that they, he, sorry, he would uh, usher in. If we voted for Trump, we would not get norms reinstated. So we had to vote for Biden. And uh, now that Biden is in, we have all of the norms restored. Oh, and civility and empathy. Thank God. Right. Because could you imagine what these people would be doing and how they would be behaving if Donald Trump was president? It would probably actually look exactly the same, probably. Um, The very morning we hear that Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe had been assassinated during a public speech. John Sexton writes at HotAir.com, it's getting harder to avoid the conclusion that a lot of people on the left would very much like to see something similar happen to Brett Kavanaugh. It's getting harder to avoid that conclusion. Activists are encouraging people to, when they see any of the Supreme, any of the Republican-appointed Supreme Court justices, if they see them out, to text their locations, and they will get paid for it, fifty bucks. And if it can lead to um, what a confirmed location uh, and a protest or something, uh, then they get. Even more. They get like $200. The group is called Shut Down DC. While it could be a potential violation of the terms of service for Twitter, which clearly prohibits users from encouraging harassment, for some reason it's still up there. They're still allowing people to behave like this. Other activists, meanwhile, are doing their best to punish Morton's, the steakhouse, because that's where Kavanaugh was. And Morton's staff ushered him out the back door rather than sending him to the mob out the front door. I want people to stop and think long and hard about what kind of a society you want to have. The other team gets a turn at bat. If you want a society governed by force, because that's what this is, the implication here is We will harass you, we will stalk you, we will intimidate you, and we will threaten violence, and we may even commit violence if you don't do what we want. That's the message. And the other team gets an at-bat. The right is going to engage in this very same behavior as well. And why shouldn't they, by the way? Because they're better than that? that? Is that your argument, leftists, that the right is better than that? They're better than you? Seriously, what what would be the argument for why right-wingers should not engage in the very behavior you're engaging in? What's that explanation? What's that justification? John Sexton points out that now the activists are punishing Mortons, which also put out a statement, by the way, saying that the, the, the way the protester behaved, it was an act of selfishness, they said, and void of decency, disturbing the dinner of all of their customers. Because there was somebody in that room that you didn't like. 
I mean, that they're children. You're behaving like spoiled brats. These are children. They have not progressed past a childhood mentality, a selfish childhood mentality, right? And now they're going on to uh, Yelp and these various uh, third-party you know, apps to review the restaurant, to leave uh, negative reviews. They're also creating fake reservations for parties that never show up, which, of course, harms the working-class folk that are working at Morton's, the waitstaff. What happens when a place is booked solid but no one shows up? What happens to that waitress or waiter? What happens to the server? What happens to the kitchen staff? Well, the kitchen staff is going to get paid. So, yeah, they're going to get paid, but they're not going to cook any food. Servers aren't going to make any money. Bartenders aren't going to make any money. Once again, punishing the people that the progressives claim to be defenders of. It's not going to punish Kavanaugh. But I guess, as Sexton points out, I guess you can't have a revolution without breaking a few eggs and all of that. Most of this, he says, is just dumb and harmless, but the left seems to be doing its best work, uh, its best, rather, to work itself towards more personal confrontations with Kavanaugh and the other justices. That is very clear. It is. It's very clear. They want a personal confrontation between the protesters and these judges. These protests are ostensibly peaceful, but we've already had one would-be assassin show up at Kavanaugh's house. That didn't give the activists any second thoughts, and the media barely covered that story. Has the New York Times ever done that story yet? What's the end goal? This is a great question. It's a question that I like, uh, and I ask it in all sorts of venues and on topics, which is, what's the objective? What's your objective? If you don't know your goal, if you don't know your objective, how do you know if you achieved it? It's like having a destination, right? How do you know if you got there? You got to have an objective. And I talk about this like on gun control. If your objective is to reduce mass shootings, your remedies are going to look different than if your objective is to grab guns, right? Just different objectives. So if this is so what is the objective here? Right? Do you is there some sort of way that the Supreme Court justices can go back to their old court case that they ruled on and say, oh, you know what? I want to open Dobbs back up again. I I want to change my vote on that. Is that what you think is going to happen here? What do you think happens? Do you think there's another case in the pipeline that they're going to now take up and reverse themselves on? Sorry, sorry, got it wrong. What's the objective? Is it just fundraising? Is it just mental disorders on display? Is that all? What's the objective? Because the only objective that kind of actually makes some bit of sense here is the fomenting of conflict. That's what appears to be the objective. That is what it appears the objective is, right? Fomenting conflict with an outcome either to simply fundraise and agitate or to cause harm. Because what happens if you cause harm? What happens, God forbid, we mentioned this when the would-be assassin showed up at his house. What happens if one of these justices gets assassinated? Well, Joe Biden gets to name the replacement. Do you think that the leftists haven't thought of that? I thought of it. I don't even think strategically like that. Evil, strategically. And if I can think of that, you know they've already thought of it. What's the end goal? 
because the new standard now is to organize platoons of protesters to target and harass progressive politicians. Right. As Barack Obama said, get in their faces. As Maxine Waters said, get more confrontational. This is the new standard. So. I just uh, want you to know when people start showing up at the mayor's house and city council members houses. Right. It will happen. I don't know when, but I'm sure it'll happen at some point because the other team gets an at bat. Alrighty, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got an email here from Dan to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Pete, I would not worry too much about these clowns punishing Mortons by not doing business there. My wife and I were in Mortons in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. A not extravagant dinner with a low-level bottle of Cabernet and dessert, and we were out the door plus tax and tip $300 later. I rather doubt most of these bleeps protesting Scottish justices could afford that on their best day. Uh, that's listener Dan down in West Columbia. Um, so I'm listening, listening on the stream. Well, see, that's the thing, Dan. They don't have to go into Morton's. <laughs> they could just stand outside of the restaurant and prompt other people not to come, you know? Because seriously, if you're walking in there, you know it's they're gonna they're gonna harass you. This is the thing about mobs. They're not gonna they're not gonna be limited to just harassing the one person they're there to harass. Now they're turning their ire on the uh on the restaurant. But at some point you do wonder, like with this kind of tactic, do you go so scorched earth that you, you can't like think about it. If you're a progressive protester. You can't walk down the street anymore because every place you walk by, there's going to be some person or maybe two. I get, you know, think this through. If every place is going to get protested, you're going to have to spread your ranks pretty thin. And then if you're just walking down the street, and you're going to see a cluster of protesters, one or two or three, standing in front of some little boutique store that they're protesting. You're going to feel the need. Oh, my gosh. Intersectionality requires that I join them and protest them for a little while. So they're going to – and this is going to be very difficult because – you got to carry around the poster boards, right? I mean, you got to have signs. Dry erase boards. Carry around dry erase boards. That's the solution. You know me. I'm all about solutions. So dry erase boards, you just carry one of those things around in your uh, backpack and uh, uh, bust it out. Find out what the people are protesting a particular store for. Uh, then you write down your message and uh, and then you just stand out there for a little while, and then you can move on down the street. And then, of course, you're going to get sidetracked again because there's going to be another protest out there. And then you're going to have to ask that person or two people, what are you protesting this store over? They'll tell you. And then you wipe the dry erase board. You do another message. And you just eventually, like eventually they're not going to be able to go anywhere. So let's just think long term here. So now all of this is obviously over the Dobbs case, right? This is over the abortion issue. And Democrats think that they are solid here on the abortion issue. As long as everybody believes that uh, being pro-choice means the good abortions, not the bad ones. That's it. As long as we don't sort of identify 
the the restrictions that exist in other parts of the world. And as long as we don't talk about what restrictions are here and we're here and what states want to impose. And as long as really important here, as long as we never talk about the bill that Democrats want to use to codify Roe v. Wade, which would allow for abortions through the entire pregnancy all the way up to birth. As long as we don't talk about all of that stuff, then they think they got a solid issue. Because when you actually ask people, the the, the majority of people, you know where the, you, you know where you know where the abortion restrictions would would kind of land? Most people are somewhere around 15 weeks. That's where most of the the population seems the most comfortable. It's true. Around 15 weeks into pregnancy. Now, you don't have to be that uh, uh, supportive of that or not doesn't matter. But that's where the majority of Americans tend to land. You know, I can tell you this. You know where they do not land? Late-term abortion. They do not land on that one. So when people are like, oh, I'm opposed to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Okay, well, are you okay with, you know, abortions at nine months pregnancy? And everybody's like, no. Okay. Well, let's actually then have some discussion about where that number should be. And when you start getting down to where the number should be, you realize most people want it to be somewhere around 15 weeks. And... That's actually a little, that's in the range, it's close to where uh, a lot of European countries are that, are that are used as our comparative. We measure ourselves against all of these other European countries for everything else except this issue for some reason. I'm sure it has nothing at all to do with the fact that their uh, restrictions are more restrictive. I'm sure it has nothing to do with that. And this leads me to the story of the most famous 10-year-old in the world right now. We don't know who this person is. I assume it's a girl. I assume, but I'm not a biologist. This 10-year-old is said to have been the victim of a rape in Ohio. But nobody can find this person. No one can find any records of a rape of a 10-year-old, which, by the way, that would be a mandatory report. You have to report that. If you're Planned Parenthood and you do an abortion, you have to report that. But they didn't. It's so weird. John Sexton, writing at HotAir.com. Says she's the most famous uh, 10-year-old in the world right now, but does she actually exist? This is the story of the pregnant 10-year-old in Ohio who allegedly was unable to get an abortion because she was 72 hours past the state's legal limit. President Biden brought this story up in his news conference the other day. So some media outlets, I'm as shocked as you are, decided to try and track down whether or not this story is true. A 10-year-old victim of a rape, because she's 10 years old, whether it's consensual or not, doesn't matter. It's statutory rape at the very minimum. So who is this person? Because somebody had to have been arrested. There had to have been charges filed, right? She's a rape victim. Snopes. They did a fact check. They could not reach any firm conclusions as to whether it's true or not. Glenn Kessler at the Washington Post tried to do a fact check. He also could not prove or disprove it, partly because the abortionist who is the source of this story refuses to offer any details that might corroborate it. Uh, She said her name is Dr. Caitlin Bernard. 
And her only response to the Washington Post was, thank you for reaching out. I'm sorry, but I don't have any information to share. She gave that same non-answer to the Daily Caller. She could have offered a county or a city on background to help verify that the story was true without worrying that it could lead to the victim's name being released. And you could do that because then they could go find any kind of uh, charging documents or something like that. But who is this abortion provider? Who is this person? Dr. Bernard. Caitlin Bernard. She's not just some random OBGYN who performs abortions. She is in the leadership of Planned Parenthood. She's actually been posting about all of these, uh, you know, horror uh, uh, predictions, these horrific predictions on social media. And one of those predictions was this. Now, maybe she's just that prescient. It's possible. She's that good at predictions. And look, as somebody who's not good at predictions, I'm a little envious. But I'm also a tad bit suspicious in that the very thing she predicted then came to pass, and she's the only source that could prove its veracity but refuses to do so. That's just weird to me. Over at PJ Media, they point out that Dr. Bernard does a lot of media hits. Lots of them. Aimed at doing what? Amping up concern about the end of Roe v. Wade. So, Sexton says, I think it's fair to say that Dr. Bernard is not only affiliated with Planned Parenthood, but she's an activist who has frequently done media hits and even been involved in lawsuits in her state. In other words... She's a pro-abortion activist. That doesn't make her story false, but it does suggest that she's the kind of person who would love to go to the media with a story just like this, if only she had the chance. And lo and behold, she had the chance to do so. What are the odds of all the people to provide an uncorroborated story like that? It would be her. She's a motivated partisan. She's not some outside observer. Sexton says, quote, this story has become too important for the facts to remain guarded by one individual with an agenda. He's exactly right. This story has now gotten so much traction. I heard about it this weekend when I was up in Asheville, of course, and talking to one of our more progressive friends, and they mentioned this story. I have heard this story now several times, and I have said, From the get-go, the immediate thing that I thought was, why hasn't somebody reported the rape? I mean, okay, I understand it's Planned Parenthood, and they generally don't do that. I could not imagine why. I'm not sure why Planned Parenthood has such a terrible record when it comes to aborting children of, uh, you know, the rapists and such. Rape and incest, like, oh, sorry, we had to do that, but they never but they never report it which means what they send the minor or they send the victim back into the house they're sending the victim back into the clutches of the abuser by not reporting why even have mandatory reporting why it's not mandatory obviously or maybe it's not actually happening Maybe you're just saying those things and it's not. 
or people are telling you that's the reason why they're pregnant, but it's not. I don't know. And I'm not I'm not here to disparage. I'm not casting aspersions. I'm not trying to to be mean or or unsympathetic or anything. But these are the questions that I have. I'm just asking questions. Um, it, he goes on to say, John Sexton does uh, hotair.com. He goes on to conclude, if nothing else, there's a rapist out there who ought to be going to jail for this. Even if the rapist is himself underage, something we don't know, the fact that a juvenile has been charged is not a secret. It's not off limits to the media. They could find that out. They could. But they, but, but they haven't. And again, the one person who could tell them that refuses to do so. Whatever could be the motivation. Here in North Carolina, a state Senate candidate has dropped out of his race following allegations that he used a woman's most vulnerable moments in a courtroom to ask her out on a date. There is a lesson here, guys. Yeah, there's a lesson. You do not approach a woman after she is testifying against her abuser. You don't use that as the opportunity to hit on her. But ask her out. Yeah. A woman came forward with screenshots from 2015 showing public defender Jason Minikazi asking asking her out on a date after watching her break down in a North Carolina courtroom as she described the abuse she endured from an ex-boyfriend. The woman rejected Minikazi's advances, but he contacted her again last week. Well, he just sent me a friend request, and it turns out that the low life is now running for NC Senate, she wrote on Facebook. After realizing his mistake, he immediately blocked me. Smart guy. For a week, the woman's post and screenshots were public online. Neither Minikazi, who is a Democrat from Wilmington, nor the Democratic Party responded to them until Sunday when Minikazi announced his decision to drop out of the race, citing fundraising problems. Yeah, that does kind of happen. The fundraising problems followed the complete implosion of the campaign. The North Carolina Democratic Party said that it was actually because of the woman's allegations. Democrats are expected to name a new candidate to run against uh, Republican Representative Michael Lee, In the November elections, this incident occurred back in 2015. She said she did report it to the NC State Bar when it happened, but she never heard back from that agency. A spokesman for the North Carolina Administrative Office of the Courts, uh, which oversees the public defender's offices, says he could not comment on Minikazi's situation with the woman because it's a personnel matter. However, he did confirm Minikazi remains employed with the New Hanover Public Defender's Office where he makes $84,000 a year and uses his court appearances to pick up chicks. All righty. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Last segment here of the program for this Monday afternoon. David Harsani, our pal over at The Federalist, uh, he's back at The Federalist. Uh, he said, those who seek to destroy or delegitimize the Supreme Court for upholding the Constitution are no better than those who desire to overturn or delegitimize presidential elections. In fact, they probably pose a greater long-term threat to American democracy. Right? Federalism. There's no other way to keep a sprawling, 
geographically, ethnically, culturally, religiously diverse nation, free and self-governing, but for federalism. That's why enumerated powers exist in the Constitution. That's also why the increasingly radical progressive left is obsessed with getting rid of the filibuster, the only thing preserving some semblance of legislative limitation on federal power. The only people who refer to federalism as minority rule are people who believe that Americans need to be ruled over in the first place. The only people who refer to federalism as minority rule are the people who believe Americans need to be ruled over in the first place. Democrats want the Supreme Court created to adjudicate the constitutionality of laws, right? Free from political pressure. That's why they have lifetime appointments. That's the purpose of the court. But what Democrats are openly advocating for now is what? For the court to follow public opinion polls, not the law. The only way we can truly know how voters feel about abortion is by subjecting the issue to, dare I say it, that's right, democracy. The democratic process. Whether Roe or any legal decision, right, whether it's popular or not, is irrelevant. Though it's unsurprising that the majority of Americans, after decades of media championing abortion, know very little about it. Because at some point, voters will decide if the Democratic Party's new position, basically government-funded abortion on demand until crowning, or the position of states like Mississippi, that has a 15-week ban, voters are going to decide which is more radical. They'll decide which is uh, uh, more normal, which is acceptable. When the Supreme Court concocted the constitutional right to abortion in 1973, the pro-life movement didn't promise to dismantle the system. It spent 50 years creating an intellectual and political movement that would begin to restore proper constitutional limits. David Hersani writes, they voted for presidents who promised to put textualists on the bench and elected senators who would confirm them. If you are not happy with these rules, well, then you are free to amend the Constitution. But for the contemporary left... Democracy isn't just a euphemism for policies we support anymore. It's a pernicious belief that Republicans have a responsibility to live in a political system that exists outside of the Constitution. And a system with two sets of rules is untenable. Right? There is a demand built into all of this that the rule book applies to you and you should keep following that even though we don't need to follow it. Which means you also then have to live under the rules that we created by not following the rules. I had this interaction on uh, on Twitter the other day with, uh, and I know Twitter is not real life, but these are real people. This is a real person. I know this is a real person because I've met this real person. I actually had lunch with him at one point. Um, Sam Spencer, local guy, Democrat Party guy. Uh, I think he was on the he was head of like the one of the zoning boards or something like that. One of the Charlotte council appointments he ran for some office to um i forget what but he said on on twitter the other day the bill of rights including the second amendment was ratified 230 years ago under that constitution only white male landowners had the right to vote in my office of 20 co-workers i would be the only eligible voter 
Not everything that, quote, made sense in 1781 is relevant now. That's That was the tweet. That's what he said. And I pointed out, because you know me, I'm a giver, right? And so I helpfully, I thought, pointed out that that's why the rule book provides a way to amend the rule book. It has it right there. There are a couple different ways to do it. You get to you get to craft laws at different levels, and there are ways to amend it permanently and nationally, whatever. You got all these different ways to do it. Do that. How about you do that instead of making up your own rules in order to get what you want right now? How about that? It seems like a pretty good idea if we all follow the same rule book. That's all. All right. Uh, that is a wrap for the episode. Appreciate you listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Do not break anything while I'm gone.